and welcome to the Dice of Screaming Podcast. Oh. I'm Randy. I'm Mike. And together we form the two-headed literary etin so bequeathed to us by Dave Albridge of gaming podcasts. So hopefully we won't disappoint you as we have brought you some good topic for tonight. <laughs> I, I beg to differ. We're more like the uh, the non-psionically endowed gray ooze of gaming podcasts. <laughs> Just kind of meandering around, devouring anything in our path, and pretty much leaving ruin in our wake. Yep. Yeah. Just render everything down to its base components and ooze off to our oh. next conquest. No. <laughs> All right, perhaps that's a little harsh. Uh, well, it is, but it's fair. <laughs> I think so. So, yeah, uh, getting a good start on the year. Uh, we're past all the reminiscences and parties and hangovers and hope that you're all doing well out there. Uh, we do have one call-in from Joe Richter, who takes ah. us to task for one of my mistakes, so oh. I'll own them. Oh, yeah, I made a mistake. Oh. I mean, newsflash, you know. I get a lot of things wrong in life, so... Oh, well, I... Yeah, and we are not intimidated at all at the idea of owning up an error. Uh, here at the Dice are Screaming, uh, we are error incarnate. Um, and we're not right. letting that stop us. <laughs> That's right. Even if we're wrong, if we don't know what we're talking about, we'll just make it up. <laughs> Well, that's a bad motto to have, but no, it worked for David Lee Roth for a long time, so I think it's only fair. <laughs> well, all right, you know, how hard is it to sing jump? Yeah. Uh, those those high kicks were pretty challenging, though. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think either of us could manage either of those. Uh, um, especially with those pants, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> ouch. Easy to sing high wearing those. Uh, Ow. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, we're going to turn it over to you, Joe Richter, so take it away and beat us up. What's up, boys? It's Joe, and I'm calling from what Mike would say is the literal butt crack of dawn. I have no idea why I'm awake, but thank you for all the love on your retrospective episode. That was super dope. I have no problem and will continue supporting awesome people, and you dudes are awesome. That being said, I hate to be the one to do this, but the teleport spell, it is in Pathfinder 2E. Uh, I don't know, maybe it wasn't in the beta, even though I'm pretty sure it was, but maybe it wasn't. But anyway, it is a six-level spell. Um, so, there it is. It's not a campaign ruiner, though, because it doesn't even teleport you that far. Even at seventh level, it only teleports you a thousand miles, and you have to have been there before. So anyway, peace out. All right, and hey, thanks, Joe. Uh, sorry about... Uh... Send our apologies to Don for waking up in her butt crack, but uh, at least I hope you both had a good time. Um, <laughs> I have never had a good time at that time in the morning. Yeah, huh. Speak for yourself. Yeah, it, it, it's, no, it's no picnic. But no, hey, it was good to hear from you. Welcome to 2020. Good to hear you. Yeah. Um, and you're correct. Uh, you know, as it turns out, Pathfinder has indeed included the teleport spell. Uh, absolutely true. Uh, they've they've altered a few of the terms, but uh, it is still the same old classic that uh, people... Yeah, you know, you always had to be there, and you always had to know where you're going, but, uh, you know, the teleport mishap table has always uh, led me <laughs> astray to a lot of fun places. Uh, just recently in uh, the Emerald Spire campaign that I was running uh, back at uh, Perfect Storm Comics and Games... Uh, Oh, that's right. A 2020 shout-out to our, our uh, local guys at Perfect Storm Comics and Games. Mm -hmm. uh, RJ, Eric, uh, Carter, uh, Logan, uh, Travis, all of you. Uh, all of you. 
good on you. It's good to have a local game shop. Yep, and um, yeah, it led to a very nice uh, three or four sessions, uh, them getting back on track and uh, just getting involved in a, a place that they normally wouldn't have. But uh, yeah, it's in there. Uh, I don't have the second edition rules. Uh, again, that's not any hate on my part. It's just, again, not my game, but uh, I'm happy that, uh, again, that uh, people are out there and it's still in there. It's sixth level, so that's probably why I missed it when I did peruse through the book. Ah, well, I mean, and you Bidler. are fully kitted for, I mean, like, my this Pathfinder. guy has the, his Matt, Pathfinder first edition set is, you know, respectively close to complete. Yeah, I'm only missing three, four adventure paths. Oh, wow. And uh, I have all the uh, companions and uh, player guides, so. Bravo. And every every one of the hardbacks, too. Not there's bad. Some of the, there's some minor stuff I'm missing here and there, but I pick it up here and there when I go to... Uh, you know, I find them in used books and stuff like that. Uh, just got a whole bunch of shackled skull stuff that I'm running. Shackled, skulls and shackles. But uh, anyway, yeah, so thanks for that, uh, taking us to task, Joe, because that keeps us honest. And uh, while we allude to David Lee Roth, uh, <laughs> we try not to be like that guy. I try to, kind of in the same way that uh, Chester Nimitz kept a picture of General Douglas MacArthur on his desk, and when asked why, he said, so I am reminded not to issue Jovian proclamations without do Thunderbolts <laughs> to back it up. I tried to keep David Lee Roth in mind, like, okay, nice guy, but I don't want to be like him, so. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. All right, that is us. <laughs> Little humility reminders are Yes, that is. So, uh, <laughs> Although, I mean... Oh, we, we've no shortage of humility here, though. No, we don't. Yeah, we just call ourselves the great oohs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we go from one end to the spectrum to the other. You know, we get one guy who calls us a really nice thing, who's uh, Dave Aldridge. If you're out there uh, and listening to us, thank you. But Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm still in love with that phrase. The yeah. two-headed literary atten of gaming podcast. Probably the nicest thing anybody has ever said to me in uh, the gaming community, short of my own tables. Yeah. So, all right, but... No. Hey, I suppose we should get on. Yeah, we got to do a little pay the bills and yeah. sell some advertisements. Uh, we didn't get into our charity advertisements, and uh, I feel kind of bad about that because I really like them. So we'll probably do just some shout-outs in general to them later at a date, but uh, to be determined, because we still are in kind of the midst of a little bit of a crisis mode here at the Dice Screaming, but uh, we'll soon get that sorted out on its own. No one's fault, really. I mean, it, no. it's, uh, you know... The the season of moving has come upon us, and uh, you know much flurry and chaos and stuff in boxes and things like that. Uh, not for both of us, but but certainly for me. So little yeah. chaos on my end after the the hefty hefty work schedule, uh, and now a moving schedule. So yeah, fifty uh, percent of the dice are screaming are in disarray. <laughs> yep, half of us. So. <laughs> But anyway, we're going to turn to for some paying the bills stuff, and we'll be right back, so stick around. And welcome back. And so here we come at you with some topic. Look out. Oh, oh. God. Take cover. Roll Uh <laughs> Does a 37 hit? Yeah. <sighs> oh, well, with room to spare. So, uh, yeah, tonight, I hope we score a crit with this one. Uh, we're going to do a old module retrospective. A classic. What is it? Why, it's T1. Village of Hamlet. Yeah, and the reason for this one is that it is 
<clears throat> first, definably old school. I mean, it has no presence in the newest iteration of the game, uh, or even the more recent iterations of the game. It is, you know, pretty much uh, the last time we visited the village of Hamlet. It was uh, third edition era. Yeah, the return to, but uh, yeah, and that was return. It was kind of uh, that. I don't know that one. I. I that was a hit or miss for me, man. In any I, case, it's been like 15 years, and it, it hasn't gotten a retreatment, but it's important in game terms because it became the foundation module of one of the great series uh, of all time. I mean, one of the, the in, most incredible gaming accomplishments ever. Uh, the ultra-long, full-length, complete campaign arc uh, comprised of a large series of modules. Yeah, the super modules, as they were called, uh, Temple of Elemental Evil, Against the Slave Lords, and Queen of the Demon Web Pits. Uh, against the Giants? Yeah, that included Against the Giants and... Uh, or Queen of Spiders, excuse me. There you go. Uh, Queen of Spiders, which included the Against the Giants, uh, G1, 2, and 3, and Descent into the Earth, the and the Vault of the Drow, and then Queen of the Demon Web Pits proper. So, yeah, all of them linked together with interludes in between to kind of knit uh, small points back and forth. But uh, Now, we're not going to pick apart all the other modules, but no. the, the thing is, Hamlet is the humble origin story. It yeah. is the level one characters wandering into a little sleepy village that has one curious little problem, that it would be nice if some, oh, aren't these nice young people fit and capable? Wouldn't it be nice if they, they found their way over there and dealt with that pesky moat house? Yep. <laughs> and But, oh, did you not know what you were in for when you started that series? Yeah, and you know what? Um, it, it originated back in the uh, kind of late 70s. Um, it was kind of Rob Kuntz's thing, uh, that they were running a side campaign and, uh, you know, did go into the Temple of Elemental and Evil, which we wouldn't get a look at until, uh, about 83, 84. But anyway, uh, to the point, I compare it very favorably, and I'm just going to mention this briefly, to Apple Lane of RuneQuest, where almost every inhabitant of these two small villages, comparatively, were detailed, and there were numerous little subplots in between if you so chose to investigate them or invest the players' invested interest in them. Yeah, there were cues here. The DM who was ready to do just a you know a modest amount of preparatory work uh, could expand on the existing material on their own. Yeah, based uh, on the interactions with the various NPCs, which you find out that Hamlet is literally rife with agents from another kingdom keeping watch on the machinations and doings of a nearby supposedly diminished or destroyed enemy in a previous uh, battle. But almost every occupant, even some of the animals, are detailed and statted out. And there's numerous little secrets and rumors that you can catch on to, including some NPCs who are adversarial to the player characters. Oh, yes. That are posing uh, as potential allies. Now, if you have a uh, party with a paladin in it, uh, you know, it's fairly easy to determine who in town is naughty and who in town is nice. Kind of like Santa Claus, but uh, without the presence. Yeah, you know, with, with sharp knives and a you know, like you know, well-stocked round of poison crossbow bolts tucked somewhere around the corner. The paladin? Oh. No, no, the uh, the bad guys. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, there's a few uh, not-so-nice people, but again, um, it's more about role-playing if you just up to the players to discover this if you don't have a paladin. So that's just one thing. Yeah, worth mentioning, the, the bad guys are not necessarily interested in great violence or great bodily harm right out of the gate. Uh, revealing themselves is against their better interests. So They know that Hamlet is well-watched and warded. Yeah, that this place where nearby the Temple of Elemental Evil was once quashed uh, is still a hot spot. Something is afoot. And nobody is sure what, but everybody wants to have at least one finger in the pie, just to keep, just to keep tabs on what's going on. And if anything does happen, report back. And so you have a uh, church of Saint Cuthbert with an exemplary uh, view of worship. They don't have pews inside churches of Saint Cuthbert because everyone sits on the floor. Humility. Mm-hmm. And also uh, a numerous. Idioms that uh, are exhorted to the faithful, which are, you know, a stout cudgel is better than smart answers. <laughs> oh, oh well, and a, a knot to the head, head brings wisdom. To those lacking, yeah, brings uh, lots of heads to those lacking wisdom. Uh, and foolishness can be beaten. Uh, <laughs> wisdom can penetrate even the helm of iron. Uh, yeah, just speak softly and carry a stout cudgel. Yeah, certain things like that. And so you're introduced to the three orders, the billets, the chapeau, and the order of the stars inside the small chapel of St. Cuthbert, or temple of St. Cuthbert. And there's a druidic grove as well, complete with a druid and his bear named Steve. No, no. Oh, no. Yeah, well, hey, I thought you were going to go with the druid selling patchouli, smelling of patchouli oil and trying I, to sem- sell hemp shirts to passers-by. Well, now you ruined it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was going to. Why? You were going to, and I got there first. Now, all right. On. Well, you know, all right, Deb. You can always base him off of the dude from The Big Lebowski. You know, he's just there in a bit. Would anybody like a white Russian man? Yeah. <laughs> got some Kahlua. <laughs> Made it myself. That rug totally tied that whole grove together. Yeah, man. Totally. It's a shame what they did to it. I know. <laughs> Those Temple of Elemental Evil nihilists. <laughs> Ah, yes. German nihilists. Yeah, we ought to do a uh, Big Lebowski rendition of Temple of Elemental Evil. What do you say? Oh, man. Ah, the uh, dude abides. The druid abides. The druid abides. The druid. That's right, man. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, the village of Hamlet is well-stocked with a variety of well-fleshed-out characters right down to the merchants and farmers that make up the community. And even a money-changer with a... Man, what a safe that dude has. Yeah, yeah don't don't expect your low-level rogue to creep in there and haul off that swag easily. Uh, they were already prepared. For yeah, the they were already prepared for shenanigans and the traders' uh, establishment as well, complete with a com- huge, well-stocked inventory that the DM is encouraged to keep track of. So that's a nice thing to help you get started with uh, and get your feet wet as uh, the DM record-keeping tasks right out of the gate. Yeah, they did a terrific job in preparing all of the material in this module to be of assistance to the DM so that you don't have to wing it uh, for once, which I'm not saying that all the earlier modules failed in this respect. Absolutely not. That is not the case. I am saying that this is a particularly excellent example of well-fleshed-out 
thoroughly written uh, material. So, you know, when you enter Hamlet, uh, the DM, I'm not saying you can autopilot, uh, but I am saying that it does cut the workload down a little. Not every module will, will hand you so many excellent tools. Right. And also there is a small keep being built outside of, just right at the outskirts of town, uh, headed by two powerful former adventurers. And uh, they can later provide, uh, a, later the village of Hamlet becomes a safe zone for the players to retreat to from their forays. Hopefully yeah. against the temple. A high-level fighter and a high-level mage who have gone into semi-retirement. Rufus and Byrne, yep. if I recall correctly. Yep. <sighs> the odd couple of the world of Greyhawk. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, Felix and Oscar. Mm. <laughs> one's a neat freak and one's a slob. One's a fighter and one's a magic user. Well, can they get along? Oh, Byrne... Are you washing your socks in my cistern again? Uh, <laughs> and you ain't all a ham. <laughs> uh, no, it, Byrne and Rufus uh, provide a very cautiously limited amount of support for characters slowly rising in level. Magic now, users and training for fighters as well as... Uh, and there's some other characters as well. Uh, the... Proverbial uh, Otis, the town drunk, is actually a very proficient ranger who tries to tag along with the player characters just to keep an eye on them. Yeah, because he too is not sure if they're about to kick open a bee's hive uh, and start all kinds of trouble. So he wants to be there for good or ill. Uh, you know, if the players are good-hearted and all of that, then he's certainly there to back them up, throw support behind them, and... Uh, you know, help keep them out of extreme danger uh, or provide, you know, like uh, the necessary support for the players to retreat while he, you know, lets go with some real butt-kicking uh, as a secret high-leveler, you know. Yeah, he feigns drunkenness and oafishness in order to get people to underestimate him and lower their guard. Yeah, he's actually, you know, incredibly capable, good-hearted, and a stalwart supporter of, uh, you know, the town, uh, keeping tabs on the once-crushed Temple of Elemental Evil. Uh, now, he's not even the only one there, but uh, this allows players who are making that uh, early transition from first to second level, second level to third level, uh, they can get the support uh, for a price, you know, right there, in their new base of operations. And the Temple of Elemental Evil, as it turns out, is quite large. Now, we're not going to cover all of that because it's a very big space, but the Village of Hamlet sets up, uh, aside from providing a brief adventure uh, into the surface level of the Temple of Elemental Evil, it sets up the base camp that the players are going to be able to come back to again and again as they delve further into the temple. Yeah, and the real meat of the matter, besides all the interactions of the NPCs, is probably going to fall to the wayside, as some often it has with many of my games that I've ran through it, and I've ran it many times. You know, the players just get right into the uh, action pretty quick by going to the moat house, and it's an abandoned uh, watch place that was once a 
uh, forward position for the Temple of Elemental Evil's troops to keep uh, rain on the outlying lands and areas and to launch raids from. And, of course, when the war was joined fully uh, against the Temple of Elemental Evil from the surrounding nations, um, the Moat House was laid siege to and destroyed in a uh, matter of just a few days. And it was left abandoned because no one really wanted, after a cursory inspection, to remember those bad old days, so they moved on with their lives. But watchers have remained in place. Now, of course, going in there, you find the first level is pretty deserted. Oh, yeah. This this is, you know, evidence of past battles, uh, considerable damage from time and wear, uh, you know, a little bit of risk from, you know, things falling apart. Uh, and just the faintest wisp, you know, like, oh, yet another adventure begins with giant rats. Well, yeah, the first, yeah, there's uh, some rats, and there's also some frogs, and a giant tick, and a spider here or there, and some bandits lurking around the upper story. But, uh, yeah, it does uh, get pretty hairy when you get down to the lower level, with bugbears and gnolls in pretty good numbers, as well as a pack of ghouls, which is for a very early entry-level party can be. Well, oh. six ghouls without a cleric or a strong... Uh, well, well, without owls, let's just be uh, honest about it, can get really bad really quick. So, obviously, you know, that, that having that uh, Otis character around can help, but also nothing's guaranteed as the way dice go. And yeah. it all leads to a confrontation with a small uh, sect of well-armed and prepared warriors with a very powerful cleric of fifth level who's ready to... Just hand the smack down with a staff of striking and oh yeah. Amazed. Hopefully they picked up their first level and like graduated from level one to level two before they encounter that. You know? Yeah, and definitely that depends a lot on the actions of the player characters being cautious and managing the resources because there's no lead up. There's they leave no clues. They're very secretive and they keep their comings and goings surreptitious and as hidden as possible. And rightly so, uh, because as it's been mentioned, the town is watched. Uh, so they're not unaware of this. Now, that said, um, it makes a layered challenge uh, working your way down into that lower level. Uh, starting with very, very simple, very, very easy encounters that like any group of four to six players should be able to handle this stuff. And then it gets a little tougher each step. You yeah, know? if you just charge bull right in the lower level, the bugbears will sneak up on you. Yeah. And they'll hear you. They're always alert. And this module, in the finest of old school traditions, is okay with your characters being foolish and dying. Yep. Uh, 100%. That is, you know, just definitive of old school, which is, well... That was a terrible idea. You really shouldn't have done that because now you're all dead. Um, <laughs> just no, no sorrow, no tears. Just do like the chips fall where they may. It's it. <laughs> hey, nobody said you had to hug yourself head first into the wood chipper from Fargo. Oh yeah, and that cleric armor class negative one back in the day. That means that meant something. Yeah. <laughs> if you were level one and facing an opponent like that, you were. Most likely to hit, if and only if, 
you got a 19 or a 20. Well, yeah, if you were a second-level fighter, you could get away with a 19 or 20. If you yeah. were, like I, we played in our great, great campaign, I was a second-level, uh, or first-level fighter, first-level match geezer. I was an elf fighter match geezer. I only hit the guy on a 20, but, you know, and once my magic missile spell was gone. Oh, well, now that yeah, took some of the wind out of his sails. Well, too. you know, two to five hit points. But, hey, you know what? It's It's a game, and that's what it's called. That's why hiding in the back with the bow is a great idea. It is not out of, you know, hey, and remember in the old school version, uh, you know, two attacks per round with a bow uh, mm -hmm. is, you know, you, you've really guaranteed yourself the opportunity to do damage on par with uh, other warriors. Yep, so fighting a running battle with that and the ghouls, man, that was a tough one. Half the party paralyzed with the ghouls, the cleric unable to roll a successful turn check, and me, the elf, having to carry the day because I have to keep the ghouls from annihilating the paralyzed people. Because I'm immune to. Hey, guess what? As an elf, I'm immune to ghoul stuff. What does this mean? I gotta run up in combat. <laughs> Which I didn't mind, you know. Well, I remember when you resuscitated the uh, uh, first edition campaign uh, at the comic shop. Uh, there was a very good reason for the character that I ran at that time, because I was, you know, I was I was Mandalorian to their uh, baby Yodas. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was a bunch of people who had never played first edition, and I ran an elven rogue, purely on the basis of having the widest spread of abilities that would allow me to preserve the party, not to min max, not to like be the guy who totally kicks butt but to have as many fallbacks as possible to be resistant to charm, sleep, and paralysis so that somebody in the party would be able to, you know, like, drag the bodies out and bring somebody back to town and get them rezzed <laughs> if I had to. Uh, I had prepared for contingencies, uh, and that also allowed me to go on point. And, like, as your rogue, I will be sneaking forward ahead of the rest of the party. Um, <laughs> Uh, but those introductory days were wonderful. And, boy, I, I wish we'd done Village of Hamlet back then. Wouldn't that have been great? Oh, I, I don't think they would have survived. I think that yeah. would have been the graveyard of many a player character. That was, to be fair, it was a thing for a slightly more experienced gamer than we had at that moment. Oh. Yeah, Village of Hamlet, despite our saying it's an introductory adventure, it's meant to be introductory for people who've been around for a little bit. And our party composition, when we went through our prime, was a, a fighter with a two-handed sword specialization because we were in the early Unearthed Arcana days. And uh, a, a ranger with a double bow specialization at first level. And the most hit points in the party, much to Mike's chagrin. Yeah, you know I who mean, you are, Scott. Yeah, way in the back of the party with the hit points of a small European nation. <laughs> well, okay, that would be when he got up to 8th level, but it was easier nonetheless. to kill Liechtenstein. <laughs> Later on, of course, but yes. Uh, yeah, the guy with the most hit points is using a bow, but then again, he's also doing the most damage. And uh, Oh, an incredible amount of damage. Uh, when, when paired off against, uh, you know, well, let's see, we also had... We had a match user, uh, we had also a cleric, and a monk at the time, so... We were yeah. pretty well equipped, and of course my aforementioned elf fighter magic user, which hey, no slouch plus one to hit with bow, all bows and swords. Oh yeah, it was a it was a good opening gambit. You know, it was a as I well said during Legolas, eat your heart out because I was uh, just slamming those uh, high numbers on that darn cleric. Well, with the bow. Now the best part was that with a well equipped 
widely varied party. You know, one of each of these classes must be present. Uh, we had it all going on. Yeah. Uh, and we had a little extra to spare. And there was enough overlap where there were two people. Yeah, two magic users. Dropping spells. Uh, a cleric, you know. Uh, and I believe that was Thelma the Wise. Yeah, Thelma the Wise. Uh, Mr. Steve Pauly. Mm-hmm. Well played, too. Uh, very effective cl- play of a cleric. Uh, gets an MVP for a number of those, like, yeah. in, in the... In the heat of danger, uh, running into the midst of combat and, you know, healing on the fly. He really had that down pat. Uh, but as a party, all of the players had some experience and some idea of what they were about to dive into. So, And a monk with a polearm with the reach in those tight spaces. Oh, yeah. What, Real good. With the naganata, was it? Or was glaive. It? Yeah, he had a glaive. Glaive. Okay. And... He had some kind of glaive, and uh, yeah, he was just beating people up with it. Um, or a staff spear type thing. I, I remember it was... You're uh, right. Yeah, actually, I think he started with just a good spear, but... Uh, but, yeah, no shame in using... He went back and then got a polearm, and he's like, okay, well, uh, I'm have a non-proficiency penalty with this, but not bad for a monk. Monks don't have a bad non-proficiency penalty. No, not And bad. so he was able to do that because, well, his hand-hit attacks at first level really sucks, so... Yeah, you you get the original. Uh, we were using a, uh, a homebrew monk from uh, Dragon Magazine, uh, which uh, gave a little bit more. But unfortunately, uh, even though he got more attacks with his hand hand or bare hand attacks, and just didn't do the damage that uh, polearm would do, and so he just took the non proficiency penalty and then you know lumped it and uh, <laughs> just said, yeah, you know. It gives me something to put between me and the enemy. When we were fighting the bugbears and we were all, you know, he was still first level because totally of the experience, it. and so was I. I was still 1-1, and so was he because of the experience point uh, penalties for being multi-class, and monks require a buttload <sighs> of experience points to level. Oh, my. Yeah, in that edition, they absolutely did. Uh, but Mike was second level, and so, you know, he was uh, his fighter was full, had a full head of steam when we headed into the second uh, level because we quit right after the ghouls. We did not screw around. We were ambushed by the bugbears on the way up, which was pretty hairy, but no pun intended. <laughs> but I see what you did. There. Yeah, but we still fought our way out with just a few hit points remaining on all of us. So, yeah, uh, thanks me, to me. that ranger pulling out his of uh, uh, my brother Otis. Yeah, pulling it out for us at the end, and he had you know uh, with the double bow specialization from Scott, and uh, you know again me just like okay, I have chainmail, Elvin chainmail, and I'm standing back, hucking arrows into them too. Withering fire takes them down. Yeah, it took a while, uh, but that was an experienced party having a near death encounter. So uh, I'm not going to advocate for this module as an intro for gamers who have never gamed before. You know, I mean. Yeah, but we pulled we pulled the plug on the operation and uh, we're going exited, back to town. And we rested up and like, holy crap! Do you know what's down there? And we were supplied with a little bit more healing and preparatory spells. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think Steve Polly, he the one thing that uh, kind of rankled you is the cleric leveled up to third level. Oh, because of the low experience points that clerics need to uh, advance. From yeah, level. didn't they have a base of like 1,200 1,500. No, 1,500. Okay. It was yeah, so he was like at the cusp of third level. Ah. So he had a little bit more firepower than all the rest of us. Well, yeah, I mean, and it took you forever to get a second level in and mm-hmm. like get and a... fighter magic because I have to split my experience points between two classes. 
Yeah, in the first edition, they did not. Uh, but that's pretty much like it was. That, I, I always felt that that was pretty fair. I felt like oh, just... It, I mean, given the raw power that builds up after a while uh, with a fighter magic user, um, especially when it's an elf, which, you know, perversely is the, the one version of fighter magic user that it's not dual-classed, uh, it's split class, multi-class, yeah. and that meant that they could, in fact, wear limited types of armor uh, and make use of traditional fighter weapons with no penalization whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So that, that the first edition was fairly strict about those terms, but uh, somehow we managed to crawl our way through that entire module uh, and well, also our magic user got a pseudo dragon on his. I almost every magic user I've had. This is just one of the vagaries. The pseudo dragon special familiar only shows up on a fit, die roll of fifteen. Now, of course, that's modified by level and other factors. But specifically, in three times I've run that pseudo dragons have come up almost every single time. Yeah, and I mean not just for him. Okay, hey, well, I was talking. I didn't get a familiar. I was like I got my hands full of two classes, man. I don't need no familiar. Well, yeah, and no, the familiar is, like, at the lower levels, it is a terrible weakness uh, because a smart DM will aim for the familiar right out of the gate, uh, intentionally, uh, knowing that this will... Yeah, but a, a pseudo-dragon has magic resistance and a very high armor class, or very it's very hard to hit them because they're so small and they're well-armored. And it adds a considerable amount of hit points to the magic user, which made the magic user a little bit braver. Yeah, that, that's a whole lot better when you're not trying to herd those. You know, are you having trouble keeping track of all four of those, those hit points? points. <laughs> you know, like, I know, you know, it's just, it's just the fingers of one hand. You don't even need the thumb. You don't even need the thumb. You just got just four precious <laughs> hit points that you shepherd the entire while uh, with the greatest of caution. But that's what fighters are for, which is where you get lunkheads like me who, you know, like, Leroy Jenkins! Yeah, and a fortuitous find of a scroll with uh, some new spells on it, uh, Flaming Spear, uh, definitely came into play in that one. And that also helped everybody when we finally got to the final climactic battle with Lareth, the so-named Beautiful, the cleric, uh, and we just literally uh, killed all his hench peeps around him, including a very savage fighter of third level. That uh, I remember Mike uh, had particular glee on critting his <laughs> punk butt into uh, the netherworld. He sent him to his next life screaming. Yeah, it was no easy fight either. That was, that was a tough one. Uh, and well worth it. Uh, but once we got him surrounded, we just basically wolf-packed him right down. Yeah, and it took removing most of those uh, hench peeps. Yeah, know? we had to fight it off. Because they were that not just zero-level uh, chumps. They were all first-level warriors. Yeah, it, it was not a simple fight. It, you have to work your way to the chief bad guy. Now, and his ba his uh, his uh, second-in-command uh, was a fierce guy that uh, was upgunned to having weapon specialization. This is where utilizing the rules... For the DM works well is because we had a couple people use on it, utilizing the weapon specialization of Unearthed Arcana. Some of the NPCs were upgunned as well, including that fighter who had battle axe specialization and a shield and was going toe to toe with a guy with a two handed sword and a little bit tighter spaces than he was used to. But and, and which made Mike uh, drop the two handed sword and take out his uh, 
sword and shield and go to work. Ah, uh, yes, the backup uh, the scimitar. Yeah, he had a scimitar. It was the scimitar and shield combo, which I eventually traded out to the cutlass. Which well, yeah, he called it a cutlass at the time, but we used the scimitar, but whatever. I, I wanted it to be, you know, like pirate-like. <laughs> yeah, so he pulled that out and started just going to work on him. And in workmanlike fashion, although not having weapon specialization, increased his armor class and wore him down while the rest of us concentrated on that darn cleric just hitting him and pelting him with arrows. And uh, melee attacks from a few people. Yeah, I was so happy that the profits from the early part of the module got me some chainmail, because uh, wading into that fight wearing studded leather was probably not my best choice. Uh, it was okay for the, the starting fights up in the upper level, uh, but... Yeah, I really wanted to turn this into a little bit of our take on it, and that was our first yeah. time through it as a, a fully competent group, and that really, after that first adventure, that set us as true companions as we took the name. as It just came up in the... Uh, narration of people talking that you proved to be heralding our victory in the moat house you proved to be true companions ah yes and, and we took that name i uh added the word free from uh, medieval history yeah and then well later after the slavers we became the free companions yes uh, that particular module was the start of it all and it is incredibly special to us because of it uh that was a very long campaign and that one of those early moments in our gaming history, I mean, a bunch of uh, high school students uh, ran this module from its beginning to its completion in Queen of the Demon Web Pits. Uh, and we will cover some of the other portions of yeah, the Yeah, we've talked about the Slave Lords, but we're going to talk about the Super Module and how we overcame it as gamers and our group. And some of the fun stuff that happened then. In due course. I mean, In due not course. right away. We have lots of big plans for the new uh, year 2020. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're not, you know, like the, the kimono has fluttered a little. This is this is totally going to happen. There will be examinations of temple developmental evil and slave lords and things like that in more micro detail. But that doesn't tell you what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll shake it up a little. But. For my money, uh, Village of Hamlet is one of my favorites. Uh, I like uh, Against the Cult of the Reptile God and the Salt Marsh series just fine. Oh, sure, those. Are... But this is one. This is one that uh, has a special place, not just because of its how well it's written, but because of our personal experiences with it. And I think that bears some of us talking about it, since people have asked us about to tell war stories. So rather than just rambling on inanely about how cool our characters were, we're going to thrill you with some. Thrilling tales of yesteryear. Yeah, and as the time, well, as the weeks pass and we revisit the Super Module series, uh, that will include, like in the latter half of each one, uh, war stories from the actual campaign. Uh, things that went right, things that went wrong. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but uh, no, uh, there will be a time at the, the end of each of them for little recollections about what it was like playing through them, uh, as opposed to just a mechanical dissection of the material itself. We do want to do plenty of both. But... Well, yeah, and we'll cover that in due time, but to wrap it up with Village yeah. of Hamlet, it is a great module for experienced players, and because you can just take the brakes off and just, you know, let the dice fall where they may, because if your players are just going to bumble in, let it happen. And just like that that ambush from the bugbears as we're dragging everybody out from the ghoul's lair, 
It didn't look good, but, uh, you know, uh, our ranger still had a fresh stock of hit points, and he took the lead and just started, uh, you know, throwing arrows out, killing one or two around with uh, Otis. And, you know, I had a, I was still functional, you know, with three hit points left out of seven. Yeah, Elf Fighter Magic User, you have to divide your hit points. <laughs> and they're dragging my gigantic, stiff body. Yep, up the stairs. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. Did you have to make him six plus feet tall, dude? I mean, you know, you, you couldn't have like a hundred and sixty pound fighter. <laughs> well, the magic user, like you know, he was reduced to hucking uh, holy water at the ghouls. Could only stand back and hurl useless darts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's enough. We'll we'll leave yeah, that one yeah. for another. Yeah. <laughs> I I still awkward the, gaming moments. Yeah. Poor Dave Brandt was just so ashamed about. Hug some more darts at him and do one to two points of damage. Yeah, that'll show them. <laughs> you know, as the Rangers like, bam, fifteen points of damage. Bam, twelve points of damage to that bugbear. He's down. <laughs> While Andy Cap is over in the corner with a beer and hucking a little you know, peek. There, take your one point of damage and like it. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Does anybody even remember Andy Cap? I do. <laughs> uh, ah, yes, the Mayor Men Those Andy were the Cap. days. But oh, no, he's... that that is a good wrap up for it. That, yeah, that brings us full circle. There will be other war stories to come uh, in the months. To yeah, so hopefully ahead. you'll tune in for the true companions before they became the free companions and we can tell the story of how they became the free companions so um i guess at that we'll just wrap it up and say you know uh sayonara and all that good night but uh before we go we want to remind you if you have any questions comments or concerns about what we're talking about or you, you have an idea what you would like us to talk about why well, you can get a hold of us on our facebook page it's just as easy as looking up the dice or screaming <laughs> and excuse me you can get all this at twitter directly Oh, true, at uh, MagiVox. And me, Death Hand Gaming. And as well, you can leave a message on the Anchor app. Just download it, and you don't have to set up your own podcast. You can just get a hold of us right here, and we'll feature you on our podcast. So, without any further ado, we'll bid you good night, and may, may the dice always, always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya. See ya.